At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's happening, Wild Black family? This is Vince letting you know this is going to be the end of season two. We got to shut it down, take a little time, build a backload of episodes. But in the meantime, we want you to interact with us, share us, go back and check out some of these past episodes and enjoy what's coming up next. Peace. What are the biggest myths or misconceptions about cannabis? <sighs> that reefer madness. Break it down. What is, yeah. Reefer madness. Um, Harry Anslinger um, gave a speech in uh, late last century, early last century. And that is actually what made cannabis illegal. It was the United Nations. It was a drug hearing from all the countries and the representatives. And he said that cannabis, weed, marijuana was an illegal substance that when a black man consumed it made him have fits of rage he was more prone to murder and rape and to have violent tendencies Um, but he also said that when a white woman consumes cannabis it makes her have more likely to have eyes for a black man for a black man for a black man for a black man Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. We here again, another dope topic today. It's going to be a good one. You got Vince with you. Art in the building once again, baby. Art, when was the last time? When was the last time you lit up, bro? Hmm. It's been a few months, man. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a, a, a while. Uh probably a couple years. <laughs> I'm sensing like <laughs> I'm pretty sure if we was on Mari like the the lie detector results determined that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I won't put you on no more pressure. But how about you? Uh, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about? What about me? My man, what my you need man, to- <laughs> my man. <laughs> but look, today, folks, we are talking about cannabis, medical marijuana. We're talking about what's happening in this emerging industry. We're going to talk a little bit about how we have been penalized in this industry while others have been profiting on this industry as it continues to build, to make more noise, to become legal, not just in this country and in these states, but how what's happening with cannabis and marijuana around the world. Let's hit this guest. Let's get it. Today, we have got Mr. Stanley Atkins II, the Canamedic. And let me read his bio to you. Stanley Atkins II is a United States Navy veteran who became a firefighter with the Clayton County Fire and Emergency Services, eventually becoming a fire medic. Today, 
is the CEO of Good Medic, which is an allied healthcare platform and has become a pillar in Georgia public health. Stanley is also the man and the brand behind the Canamedic, a platform created to bridge the gap between traditional healthcare practices and alternative wellness therapies. In addition, he has successfully assisted with the cannabis decriminalization ordinances of the cities of Atlanta and South Fulton. And I'm just stopping there because the brother's done a whole lot. Stanley, brother, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for inviting me out. Now, if you don't mind, take just a couple seconds. Tell the folks a little bit more about yourself. Uh, just, just to kind of follow up on the bio, um, like I said, I served two deployments to the Persian Gulf, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, we appreciate came, that service, brother. Uh, thank you, Ooh, thank brother. you. Uh, no problem. Um, I came home and became a firefighter in Clayton County. And then once I realized that 85% of our calls were medical and I had a real, some really bad calls, mm-hmm. you know, where I was just an EMT, you know, the paramedics, ultimately the person in charge on the calls. And right. there's so many calls that we, I felt that we could have done more, we should have done more, or maybe if I knew more. And I mean, some and mainly the calls involving pediatrics, right. and trauma. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know what, I'm going to become a paramedic. And um, what happened was I got really ill in 2014, mm-hmm. um, ended up getting really sick and went to a lot of specialists, um, gastrointestinal problems. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know what was going on. I had endoscopies and everything that ends in oscopy. I've been down that road. <laughs> um, so I ended up at the Winship Cancer Center at uh, Emory. Right. Mm. And they were like, we can't even tell if it's cancer or not. Damn. They were like, you can either take the low-dosage radiation therapy or you can go with um, pharmacological intervention, a.k.a. opioids. And at the time, um, I took the opioid route. So right. I was like, I'm not going to radiation right. if you tell me right. my condition. we don't know this is even cancer. Yeah. You don't know if it's cancer. Because my, my, my physician was like, um, your condition is idiopathic in nature, but I want to proceed with semi-aggressive treatment. And the whole time I was being treated, I never told people that I was a paramedic. That I had just been nominated paramedic of the year, had all these decorations for you no know, emergency calls and things, right. and that I worked across the street in the ER at Emory part time, <laughs> because it's not time for me to be in here you know, telling what I know. Right, you know, right. I'm shut up. I'm gonna get up on these heat lamps with these cancer patients on these blankets because I need it right now. It's cold in here. My immune system's messed up. Right. And um, I eventually just stopped going. I'm like, you know, I'll take my chances on my own. Right. Um, ended up having a long bout with that. Ended up suffering a cardiac episode. 2014, 2015, yeah, it hurt. When people say a heart attack hurts, it hurts a lot. <laughs> I never really thought about really? it's painful. I got a tattoo over the spot where I never it was. thought about like yeah, I had a, how does a heart attack feel? Like you know how when you're in church and your mom would grab you and pinch you and twist it, mm. I feel like somebody grabbed a piece of your heart and pinch it and twist it. But cardiac tissue has a different type pain. You know, it's Man. different. Takes your breath away. You know. Um, I, I went through a lot, that one you know? experience, brother. and I realized that I had PTSD during my illness because like two years I was unable to eat solid foods. You know, yeah, I was really skinny. When I first started this, I was all skinny wearing knee braces on a cane, you know, oh, really? going down to the Capitol. And um, I'm living proof that cannabis works because now I'm doing jujitsu. So I uh, went on to start. I realized like, OK, I'm about to die. They told me you might have six weeks. You may have six months. You may have a year. Um, oh, we don't really? know. You know what I mean? Like, we got to run more tests and tests and tests. And, like, the stuff was going bad. At the endoscopy, I got sicker and just started having more complications from the pills. And it's just a downward spiral. And I, I was studying Dr. Sebi at the time. Right. And oh, I was like, okay. wait a minute, man. This guy's got an island. And, you know, you can. So I was ready to cash out my, my uh, 401k at the fire department and try to go to his retreat to get a detox. But it was going to be like $13,000 for a few weeks for me. 
and my friend who wanted to go for lupus, it was going to be like twenty six thousand, kind of expensive. Damn, but I, but which my your, bank account? But how much is your but how much is your health worth? Right. Yeah, you spent right. that much on hot tacos, Cheetos, and Budweiser. <laughs> right. You know. And I mean, if you're thinking about six weeks to live to six months and not knowing, well, like, that's I just crazy. and I had so much going on, man. And the opioids really had me in a really dark place mentally. Yeah. I was really bad place. And um, eventually, I just said, you know what? It's too many people in the world. I cannot be the only person that's you know got a gastrointestinal autoimmune disease that's getting all skinny and that's dying. Yeah, there's got to be somebody. There's too many yeah. people. So I joined social media. You know, I just started following the cannabis patient groups. All right, so we've already started talking about your story a little bit, but we wanna we wanna let the listeners get to know you a little bit. Yeah. And here we play this game, so okay. to speak, it's called <laughs> Wild Black Shit. All right, and it's three questions. The first two fun. Get you going questions. You don't need to get going because you ready already. And the last one is our classic signature wild black question. And we're going to go from there. All right. Sounds good. Art, you want to hit him with the questions, brother? Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, these these, these some questions. (laughs) You got to be ready. Ready. Black card on the line. Correct. All right. It's on the table, you know, so you got to be ready to to, to maintain your, your car, your status. All right. All right. First question. If you could choose from the below list... Who would your smoking partner be and why? Okay. Cheech from Cheech and Chong. Wiz Khalifa. Snoop. Bob Marley. And Smokey from Friday. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> wow. That is such an easy one. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be uh, Robert Nesta Marley. I knew um, that's where I he was going. going. I, yep. I, I actually named going. my son after Bob Marley. Really? My son's name is Zion Marley. That's dope. Um, oh, if cool. you look at my high school class graduation picture, I got a Bob Marley t-shirt on, like a little beanie on, a little red, green, and yellow. Yeah. I've been about this life for a long time. And I'm a soccer fan. I'm a huge soccer fan. And once I found out that he not only made groovy music, that he also was played avid soccer, and he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he's awesome. And I read some books and watched some documentaries, and a lot of people didn't know that he fed over 600 women and children like every day, you know, out of his facilities, right. making sure his people ate. Yeah. This man brought warring factions together during a presidential race. You know, people getting killed. Right. And he'll bring them together with music and love, you know? So oh, cool. Question two. In every black kitchen, there is one drawer that is literally filled with random shit. Can you name for me three items that will be found in, in at least 77.6% of said black people's drawers? You, everybody knows everybody the drawer. Got, I mean, you know the drawer in your kitchen. If you, if you didn't identify what drawer was in your mind, right. then you 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 don't have a black card. Right. Because everybody on, has stop, that. Shut it down. Stop listening right now. Right. I would have to say a black spa- plastic spatula okay. that's kind of melted at the end. Because they <laughs> From them grilled cheese, baby. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna the have, one that don't match nothing else. Yep. Mm. I'm going to have to say one sharp knife that used to be sharp. <laughs> it's not sharp anymore, but you can tell at one point it was used to cut That's like that meat go-to or something. and everything else yeah. is dirty. And it's gonna be like serving spoon, bunch of tablespoon, not a lot of teaspoons. It's gonna have tablespoons. <laughs> or <laughs> I thought about it a little bit bigger. The ones don't nobody want to eat the cereal yeah. with. And like <laughs> tops to like water bottles and cups that don't go to nothing, or matching Tupperware tops that don't go to nothing you got in the house. Oh yeah, yeah. Your card is secured. All right, what's it, what's in your drawer, bro? So the spatula is, is definitely profound. Uh, there's probably a screwdriver, a hammer, um, 
And it's some chords that I don't know where that actually goes to. <laughs> Look, the you know chords you don't want to throw yeah, away because like, you figure you're going to figure it out. what that actually went to soon. Yeah. What you looking like? You definitely got the chords. It's, it's like they cell phone chords, chargers, yep. but you can't figure out what the hell they go to. The big thing for me, I don't know why, soy sauce packets. <laughs> Just random ass soy sauce packets. And an unpaid bill. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> right. Just randomly out of nowhere. Like, shit, I've been paid. And every now and then you might that. find, you might find that a one little like Popeye's single pack hot sauce. In the or juice. honey. Right. Or the honey. Yep. For the biscuit. Yep. And then you probably have some some local menus that you don't ever really use anymore. I don't eat it. I, yes. like, I eat like healthy stuff. So. <laughs> cool. So, All, right. All right. Signature question. What do you love most about Life While Black? Is that I'm here every day to still enjoy it. Because mm. uh, along this, this road, what a lot of people know behind the scenes is there were a lot of times during this journey that I didn't think that I would be here for these days, which is why I went so hard so wild. Like, what, what you gonna do? I'm gonna be dead. But I'm going to set a tone for these guys that they're going to yeah. light it up when I'm done. So just the fact that I'm still here, That's I appreciate real, every day. That's I real. It. I love that. That's real. I love that. All right, so at Wild Black, we, we, we base every episode on a theme. And that theme is encapsulated in what we call the dope quote. So the dope quote is typically from a black person, although not always. But today's dope quote is a little different. We actually have two. So I'm going to read them. The first one says, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, didn't inhale it, and I never tried it again. Bill Clinton. <laughs> the second one says, look, when I was a kid, I inhaled frequently. That was the point of Mr. Barack Obama, my president, Mr. President Barack Obama. What do y'all think about that? Uh, I've, I've heard those things before. <laughs> um, the fact that you, even if you did or didn't inhale... You put it to your mouth and you want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Some people <laughs> acknowledge their truth of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And some people hide from them. That's right. When I, when I read Bill Clinton's, all I heard in my head was Maury Povich saying, the lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ain't no way in hell. How did you know you didn't like it if you didn't inhale? Come on, Bill. We ain't foolish out here. And then why would you not inhale it? Right. <laughs> why do you... You, you don't just put the tip in. That's Stop. how you get skipped in the Correct. rotation. Correct. You don't just put the don't. tip in. Wow, yeah, he's got a good point. <laughs> Ain't nobody that in the is, history that's the international history lie. ever did that. All right, so check it out. I want to I start getting some of these questions asked, mm-hmm. right? And we've got, we've got <laughs> questions on the industry, the product itself. We're going to talk some black shit. And we just want to clear up some misconceptions and some rumors and some myths to start with. So let me hit you with this question. It might be silly, but I want to ask it. The listeners want to know it. What is the difference, if any, between cannabis, medical marijuana, and weed? Well, I would first say that all cannabis is medical cannabis. Okay. Because even if for the cannabis that's quote-unquote recreational, the point you do something, you recreate to do something to take away from the normal stresses of a day. So technically, your recreational activity is therapeutic so that nobody calls it medical whiskey. Nobody calls <laughs> it medical Hennessy. But you use it to recreate and relax. Um, but we're acknowledging the plant in its most in its therapeutic values. Right. Um, weed is a derogatory term mm-hmm. because a weed is normally something that grows wild outside that and that is don't want. unwanted. That's right. Um, cannabis is a natural plant that's been in existence for over ten thousand years. I've never thought about the fact that the term weed would be, but make, that makes sense. No yeah. one wants weeds in their yard. Yeah. And Correct. cannabis is a plant that which when you, when you consume the flowers of the female plant. 
the consumer will experience physical and psychological effects within the body. You know, we, like I said, it's a slang term, but cannabis is a more endearing term. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing a, a beautiful woman instead of saying, well, she's she a beautiful woman. Let's call her, like, call her beautiful blank. You know, mm. it's a more endearing term. And the only way we're going to change the stigma and break the current stigmas is by changing the language and stop using the language that was used during prohibition mm-hmm. and reefer madness to propagate the war on drugs. Mm. Cannabis, more endearing term. In which the war on drugs started before there needed to be a war on drugs. That yes. was that was a strategy. Yes. Hey, read the what is it called? The new Jim Crow talks all about that, folks. <laughs> all right, so. It's, it's a more hot endearing right. term. I love that. It's, it almost takes me back to um, Jay Morrison's episode, right? Using mm-hmm. the word king, king instead of the word nigga. nigga. And you'll never get it right. We'll, right. we'll go back to that later. Right. All right. So there's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of marketing going on and a lot of money being made behind CBD oil. Mm-hmm. So break down what CBD oil is and then talk about the THC component and what uh-huh. that really means. Um, first, we have to stop. Before we get to an oil, we talk about CBD okay. as the protein, as it sits in the plant. Right. Um, CBD is cannabidiol, which is a phytocannabinoid that was discovered in 1940 with science. Right. Um, it's one of more than 110 identified cannabinoids in the cannabis plant, and it makes up about 40% of the cannabis plant's protein. That's why there's such, such an abundance of it. Right. THC scientifically is known as tetrahydrocannabinol, and it is commonly re- referred to uh, in the plant that actually induces the psychological effects. It actually has mm. the psychoactive properties that induce the sense of euphoria or so happiness. that's what people feel and associate with being high. Yes, it's only THC. And unfortunately for a plant that has roughly about 118 cannabinoids, roughly, don't quote me on, don't exact on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that we know is THC. Wow. It's 100, because it's the only one that gets you high. So the government was like, don't forget all the rest of them. We'll this one get you high. Shit. Um, mm. But what see, people have to understand cannabinoids, back to the endocannabinoid system, right. our bodies naturally have it. If your mother breastfed you, she gave you cannabinoids. There are certain cannabinoids that our bodies naturally produce. Why do you think breastfed babies are stronger? Because a mom gave it natural cannabinoids and protein from her mammary glands when she mm. breastfed. Man, I had no, no mm. idea. You said we're going to learn something today. We're going to teach you, man. Hey, man, right. hey, if you ain't learning, and so, you learn so, CB, so CBD, and it's, there are different people who are on the fence about it, okay? Mm-hmm. You have some people who think it's a placebo, mm-hmm. and you have some people that say it saved their son's life from leukemia. Right. You know, and they say, I can prove that it helped my wife with her MS. Right. You know, you have patients that say, with my anxiety, I can prove to you that it helped. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's it's rhetoric back and forth. Um, but this is my thing for everyone. When they say the CBD isolates and things of that nature, mm-hmm. you need the whole proteins of the plant, not just the CBD little isolate. Because if you need the therapeutic value at the cellular level, it needs to be of the plant, full plant extract and not just right. that part. Not a filtered yeah. portion of it. Yeah, so gotcha. they take everything out, just keep just the CBD or they extract just the CBD. Um, so the way I explain CBD and THC and how they work together... Um, is very simple because medicine and science can be very complicated. Mm -hmm. So as a paramedic, I'm used to breaking stuff down because I have to take uh, very technical information in regards to a gunshot wound and a stroke and apply it in the projects. When somebody just got shot, their grandma came out and had a stroke on the scene and we had to deal with it. Right. So I got to tell them, it happens all the time. You know, 
you just calm down, look, put a feet up here, don't give her any Kool-Aid. I've had guys that were shot bleeding, and they're pushing us out the way. Hey, man, give him some Kool-Aid. Like, dude, stop. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty because all your blood's on the ground, and you've been drinking all day. I'm going to give you an IV. Let's get you in the truck. So I have to figure quick ways, you know, to, hey, bro, look, I'm about to give him all the water he needs. I'm giving him his vein. Oh, okay. Get out of my way. My man said give him some Kool-Aid. No, he for real had a big old he jug. Like a milk. big old jug. And he was, I'm like, As bro. If that was really Baby man, wow. hey, man. Yep. People do strange things. I wonder, did they go make the Kool Aid or was no, the Kool Aid on hand? It, it was <laughs> ready. Oh no, it was in an old it's Hawaiian ready. punch jug. Oh, like, that ain't Hawaiian it, it was punch red too. Oh yeah, it really was. <laughs> and um, so with CBD, so CBD and THC, we're gonna correlate that to frying chicken. Okay. All right. So if you're gonna fry some chicken, we're gonna, of course, I don't eat meat, but I used to eat meat. So we're gonna open the chicken. We're going to wash the chicken thoroughly. And then you would probably, even though the CDC says you don't need to, we yes. know this. Grandmama told us we we'll watch chicken. We we had a question on this. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I, my, my ex is from Barbados, and they squirt lime, lemon, lime juice on it. The acid clean helps clean the chicken, mm-hmm. and then wash it back off. Um, so it, let's just say you're gonna fry some chicken. So that's gonna be your CBD, you know, and the overall your dinner is gonna be your overall effect you're looking for. Okay. So you got your chicken. You're gonna take it. You're gonna season it, and you're gonna batter it. You've got your pan, some southern fried, you no. Know, Black skillet. Right, cast iron. Cast iron skillet. Yeah. You turn the fire on, bam. You got it nice and battered. You take it and you put it in the pan. Right. You know, you're flipping it and you turn it. How's that chicken going to come out? It's a whole hope great. It'll be quite fried. You never added oil. I never said put oil in the pan and heat it up. Damn. Oh, it's going to be burnt up then. Well, (laughs) it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a pan. It's going to be roasted. Um, Is it going to be cooked technically? Yes, but it's going to be cooked to a texture and a consistency that you can consume. It won't be right. No. Got that all soft flour that on is the your side. CBD. And be- that is your CBD without THC. Mm. So THC acts as the activating mechanism to pr- produce what's known as the entourage effect. And that's the actual synergistic effect that actually takes away the pain relief, the relaxation in the muscles. It's like... Oh, yeah. so THC does that. It acts, yes. So, so it's like the vehicle that... Okay. So it's like having a Lamborghini with no gas in it. Mm. It's like, bro, I got a Lamborghini for the weekend, but I left my wallet and you didn't give me a gas card. Figure it out, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Stand beside and take pictures. Charge them $10, boy. It was right. stunned on them, boy. Yeah, so um, that's the way I break it. Put the oil in the THC acts as that conduit, the activating mechanism. Um, if there is a, a T-shaped hole and there's a T-shaped block, right. No, sometimes if it's not turning right, it's not going to go in. Right, All these T-shaped blocks. THC acts as like that laser guidance system. Oh, there we Mm. go. This fits in this key. So he's having pain. This is the molecule to block inflammation. This one here is to actually block off the pain. This one here is actually relax the muscle. THC is like that that molecule that says, hey, you, get over here. You fit in this hole. Hey, he's got arthritis. Go down there and relieve some of the pain in his back. You, he's oh, got wow. cancer. Actually, so go there and attack some of the cancer. The yeah. And that's why we have a low, t- they don't want you to have any THC, but they realize at least 5%. And that's a low THC you know, con- content for our plan, but right. you have to have some THC to activate the full effects of the CBD and the rest of the phytocannabinoids. All right. So the question I'm, I'm assuming is going to come up is when you, when you digest or ingest the CBD mm-hmm. in any form or facet, Without the THC, mm-hmm. then there's no high. There's no delivery mechanism to fix none. you. There's but none. what if you do have the THC? What happens in a drug screening at that point? If you do have the THC, you're going to test positive for tetrahydrocannabinol. Uh, because the drug gotcha. test is only testing for THC, not necessarily the, the CBD. CBD. I told you, THC is the bad guy. That's yeah. the only one they know. That's the only one they talk, gotcha. talk about in school. 
So uh, check it out. So so if it's this this air traffic controller, this grand conductor, you broke right? that down, by the way. Thank you, sir. Very very well. So if it is, if it operates that way, is the CBD as effective as it normally would be without the conductor? No. That was the next question. It is effective. There, there, you do get relief. I eat CBD gummies. I take CBD oil myself. Like I'll take some like right before jujitsu and hold it in my mouth and swirl it around for a while so it can absorb under my tongue because it it's, it does help with inflammation. Um, now, it's like Kool Aid without the sugar, it might hydrate you so slightly. So a lot of people in the industry call it <laughs> diet weed. <laughs> <laughs> the people, like, there are people in California that are like, man, they need to really take those people outside and kick them upside the head. They're down <laughs> there just selling all the people all that CBD oil, like a bunch, of, <laughs> a bunch of placebo oil. But that's not true. Um, it's it depends a, it's a on the huge source. It depends thing on the, CBD will be a twenty-two billion dollar market alone by twenty twenty-one, and that's completely legal. That's just CBD, all fifty states, bro. All right, so let's let's start talking hmm. about color in the industry. So, what's black about the cannabis industry today, and what's not black enough about it? What's black about the cannabis industry today? The fact that there are still so many minorities being prosecuted and doing time right now for mm. cannabis convictions and wrongful accusations, while the people who were once saying lock them up for it are now applying for permits. Amen. Um, mm-hmm. That's the blackest part. Profiting of the off of our pain. Um, this, the other the part that's the blackest about the industry is the culture. Um, if you look at the the companies, and one marketing. thing that you'll see, like the culture is so black. Like mm-hmm. you know, the like, a lot of people drink the prescription cough syrup. The activists, they got a product called Slacktivist, right? You know, and it's completely off our culture. You know, you can look at it and tell, right? But it's cannabis infused syrup. Mm. You know, who made drinking the lean and the syrup popular? You know, African American rappers, right? But the guys in California make them a syrup, and they're no, no, no. Got their two styrofoam cups with their companies on them. You know, they got they got gold chains, gold teeth. They got the, got the snapbacks, you know. They got the nice cars. They listen to all our music. But when you look at their booth, nobody looks like anybody in this room sometimes. So they are embracing the culture while but, excluding the people who create exactly. the culture. Exactly. Um, there is a... Well, they capitalize Yeah, there, there's the a smoke product company um, yeah. that I do need to reach back out to. I haven't talked to them in a while. Right. Um, they were like, the way they started, uh, families of Rastas, like for real, from the islands, went to the one of the Denver, Denver Cannabis Cups. And saw all the Caucasian females in the bikinis and little shorts with the red, green, and yellow flags and like the little Bob Marley characters yeah, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And they had company, you know, Rasta this and, you know, Lion of this and Judah this and this, Mark Marley this and, and this. They like, they're no like, wait a brown, minute. Like, these people never even been to Jamaica. Like, these people never oh. been to the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. And it's blonde hair, blue eyes behind the counter with a big old jar of bud with Bob Marley sticker on there. Getting paper. Making that money. Yeah. So wh- while you're talking about that, what what is the black penetration in the industry like? Do we own anything? Are yes. we active? Um, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. A lot of times you have this, like, who you follow and what, what's your network? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times the people who are within the industry, they're so busy, you know, that you have to know about them. You know, and I'm actually mm-hmm. getting to that point where, right. like, you got to know about him because he's not, he's very busy. Um, you have black owners, um, Minorities for medical marijuana. Minorities is uh, African American founded. Right. You have black dispensaries. A lot of them. You have entire organizations that are black owned, operated that fight for social equity. You have like hood incubator. You have places in this company and uh, out west, mm-hmm. and they have programs in California right now where they take if you're a convicted felon, right, and you did four years for selling pounds, they're now taking you, shaking your hand, saying sorry. 
bring him to the front of the line. Sorry, guys. I know you've been in line for a while. I feel that. But uh, I got to help my man out here first. And it's actually... He paid the price for you to even be here. <clears throat> and so Correct. for minorities, I tell a lot of people are getting in, realizing, okay, well, I can't afford the permit. I can't afford to grow. I can't afford a dispensary. How much is a permit? It depends on what, what state you're in and what you know jurisdiction. Everything's different. Every state's different. Some, right. Everybody got their different fees. Yeah. Um, there are some states that make them very equitable, you know, very favorable, and some that make them very harsh and steep. Um, depends on how that state's set up. Right. You know, that starts at the capital. But minorities are having a deep impact on the nation, um, the industry as a whole, because they're realizing you have people every single day who have been at their job for 17 years as a broker for this firm, as a lawyer for this firm, and overnight. You know, I can't say what their catalyst is. Something just clicks. Mm-hmm. Or they may be sitting there. They, they may hit a joint for the first time Correct. in 10 years with their homeboy and be like, hey, boy, that tastes pretty good, man. And it didn't really get me all crazy. I'm actually chilling, man. I like or this. Or they may have been getting hot the whole, whole time. time. and didn't mm-hmm. think about it. Correct. And guess what they're doing? You know what? <sighs> Anything I can do outside the cannabis industry, I can do in the cannabis industry. It's just another industry. Mm-hmm. They just take the word cannabis off of it. I'm glad right. you said it's that because what I want people to understand is, like, to your point exactly, you can become Everything. a part if of this you industry, Fort Lift, period. Bro, they got rooms and storage of this stuff. Or that they need to man, move, right. if you work. say, bro, I'm an electrician, everybody that has a grow going to need it wired up. They're it's an industry lights. no different from anything else. If you can say, well, else. all I did was answer phones, people going to be calling. They right. can't always so, answer their own phones. So to that point, the, ne- the next question I want to ask is for people listening who have an interest in learning more about how they can become part of the industry. How do they go get that information? I would tell them first, find out what you want to do. What are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. All right, because this this is the last gold rush. Everything on the planet Earth that you can think to buy, sell, and market has already been dug up, extracted, and marketed with the exception of human organs that we know of. That's the last thing, human organs. Right. Think of any other industry, it's done. <laughs> it's already marketed and you probably get it on Amazon. Um, the, the cannabis industry is the last one where you're actually writing your ticket. This is the last gold rush. So right now, you can actually kick the door in you know, if you go in the right building, you can say, you know, who's in charge before I got here? Mm-hmm. You know, because you take your experience and what you did. I know people that were work, that worked in security. They worked for armored truck companies. They broke it. You know what, bro? Uh, I saw one of them armored trucks for sale at an auction. You know, I'm already in. I got a security license. You know what? I can have delivery, armed truck delivery of these products. It just takes a little bit of creativity in aligning your passion and what you already do to seeing an opportunity where Big you can actually... Make an impact. You know, if yeah. you if you say, man, oh, I'm a graphic designer, man. Bro, they're going to need labels. They're going to need placards. They're going to need signage. They're going to need brochures. They're going to need, you know, online social media marketing. They're going to need people. Hey, tell your niece, your nephew that's in college. Hey, man, they're going to need somebody to run their social media all summer. Mm-hmm. I know companies that charge you $2,500 a month to run your social media. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. Any job you can do outside of the industry, you can do inside the industry. Yeah. So one of my advisors, he's an old, old Caucasian guy, really old, you know, he's smart, been in business since he was born, you know, and he would talk about mining and how this family had money from gold and things of that mm-hmm. nature from way back in the day. And a lot of people didn't know before the gold rush out west with the 49ers per se, a lot of people didn't know the gold was being dug up in North Georgia. I didn't, I once, had no clue. Once they said go, the the West Coast is full of gold, there was no Google, no email. You heard word of mouth that you thought you're going to be riding over mountains of gold off. out there. <laughs> Everybody packed up and gold rush took off. The gold, the areas that had the gold and the mines and, and things the in gold Georgia, right here people, for the bought people bought it up. Knew. Well, guess what? I ain't got to worry about nobody else coming back and get it. I'm going to buy it the property. Mm. That's why you don't see like property like that in certain parts of North Georgia mountains ever go for sale. 
strategy. And he told me, he said, Stanley, who do you think made the most money during the gold rush? And I said, what? He said, who do you think made the most money during the gold rush out west? So I, I tried to put my military hat on, like, whoever had the most guns first to protect the mine while we <laughs> dig it out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, um, the person who found the most gold first. He said, that person found the most problems because he didn't know what to do with it once he got one of the banks and stuff out there. Where you going to put it? How you going to? How you going to turn it into money? Right. There has to be a system out here. It's just mountains out here. He said, I said, well, who? He said, the man at the bottom of the mountain selling picks and shovels. Mm. I said, what? He said, because everybody came out here and needed picks and shovels, buckets, sifters. He said, they went up the mountain, broke the shovels, picks, shovels. No, they need, you're going to need more buckets and stuff. That stuff tears up. Sifters, you're going to need more hammers. He said, the ones that found gold spent all their money on picks and shovels. <laughs> <laughs> I said, really? He said, he's like, yeah. I'm like, you're right. I'm like, and you know what? They paid for it with gold. Mm. I don't know how to wear it. I ain't got a scale. Take this. Let me get some more picks and shovels. Appreciate that. Take two shovels. Martha, we got another one. The people that didn't find anything, I broke my picks, my shovels, my, my, my buckets, my sifters. Let me get some on credit. <laughs> sure. We're establishing credit. You sign this and put, a, put some dip, put some spit, put the thumb right here. There you go. Man, I, gonna got be you. All little I got your work. Yeah. Mm. That is an interesting. That's real. Never yeah, thought about that, it like that, that is, before. That's a wise young man right there. Uh-huh. So you, that's in your ear. That's that's. What are the picks and shovels? Packaging for the cannabis industry. Packaging. Uh-huh. Seed to sale software. One thing that no company has enough of is marketing. So oh, I want to ask a question about about myths. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest myths or misconceptions about cannabis? <sighs> that reefer madness. Break it down. What is, yeah, reefer madness. Um, Harry Anslinger. Um, gave a speech in uh, late last century, early last century. And that is actually what made cannabis illegal. It was the United Nations. It was a drug hearing from all the countries and the representatives. And he said that cannabis, weed, marijuana, was an illegal substance that when a black man consumed it, made him have fits of rage. He was more prone to murder and rape and to have violent tendencies. Um, but he also said that when a white woman consumes cannabis, it makes her have more likely to have eyes for a black man. Oh, wow. They shut it down after Over that it. one. What? When Mexicans smoked it, it made them sluggish. That's why they came up with the term marijuana. In mm. Mexico, they don't call it marijuana. They call it mota. Speck. Hash. Mm. Gotcha. Marijuana and weed are the terms that they came up with in the drug war. They made marijuana to appeal to the Hispanic Latino community. It sounds more Latin. Marijuana. Damn. I mean, I know they were they were the first targets in the drug war. They were well, the same they time. Were oh, no. Oh. I never even connected the thought process of what marijuana was yeah, no, to, yeah. <laughs> to like how they in common culture just, it. Common yeah. culture just actually just adopted it. Yeah, as um, if as if and it was real thought and, what, and strategy oh, behind yeah, it. Listen, they yes. had a whole strategy because they realized that we smoked bud, we played jazz music, we had the juke joints, we had speakeasy, black people are cool, they chill, man, we got style, we're right. innovative, you know, we, we we persevere, like, we got Black Wall Street, like, why are they so chill, why are they so focused? Because our third eyes were cleansed because we weren't on pharmaceuticals, we were using natural medicine back then. Because it was actually in the United States pharmacopoeia, which means you get it from just uh, pharmacies and things of that nature until then. Because they would mix that 
with opium and other medicines to make pain relievers and cancer killers. You look them up. You ever see those bottles, old cannabis medicines from like the old saloon, the old Western looking stuff? Mm. It was real. You know, you roll up one, you might mess around and get on, you get on the base. Hey man, strike that tune up you was on last night. Get right. the passenger right. around. It create the, it, it, <laughs> because it sparked that creative yes, sir. flow. Yeah. Yes, sir. And they were like, oh, jazz, jazz is taking over. The jazz musician, they got Harlem, they got all these clubs and stuff. And nope, let's make it illegal. Let's lock them up for it. So like talking about mm. recreational marijuana, what's happened in in cities that have that have made that the law, like San Francisco, where you can openly smoke now? And, and check it out. What, what's the difference? Like, what's what's the real difference between medical and recreational? <clears throat> the purpose. Mm. Because even if so, you, not THC content. Well, or, there, there, I, I tell you the purpose, but there is a significant difference. Like some of the strains, like the cookies, like some of the specific strains, the Charlotte's Web, the Harlequin. They were actually treated, they were extracted in certain amounts of each cannabinoid for specific conditions. Like, it's obvious oh. that this person is a, a cancer patient. So cancer patients, people say, you know, it kills cancer. It does, but not alone. It's a process. Oh, gotcha. I mean, it does, kill, smoking doesn't kill cancer. Right. No, you're still going to die of cancer. You just you know, smoke it. So, so they're not they're not saying here. Yeah, take so, this marijuana for everything. It's no. no, this type of marijuana for some people, works and, and here. a lot of it is everybody's endocannabinoid system is like a snowflake. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. So you have this research. That's what we got to have more research into mm-hmm. it. What strain yeah. works for you may not work for his MS. What, what works for his MS may not work for my PTSD. What works for my PTSD might not work for your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why you have to find out what's good for you. Tell me this real quick, because mm-hmm. um, this is something that comes up all the time. Is marijuana a gateway drug? It's a gateway to the refrigerator. <laughs> it's a gateway to a good laugh. Thank you. A good night's sleep. The portal to unlock your creativity. Right. Um, that is something that the renowned Dr. Uma Dambamalan, um, she's a physician that actually lives not far from here. Um, she practices in Boston. She only comes down here a few times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I, we concur on some one thing, and she's used this in a lot of her speeches and some of her books. Cannabis, you know, is not the gateway drug is the exit drug. Right. I, I don't know anyone who's, who's started with marijuana and, went and else, then as a result um, of that, they become... As, right. Exactly. So in me, my, my as, man as said, a, it's the exit. It's the exit drug because I know people Ooh. that went through that gateway and they use, like myself, and I speak from personal experience. I'm a recovering addict alcoholic, you know, and I can say that proudly. I've gone to meetings, you know, I understand my recovery. And I understand where I am. And I can say that it was the exit drug for me because I used the cannabis oil alone to get off being over opioids over 10 years. Damn. So this is without even the effect of THC and getting high. In, in a high... Uh, okay, got you, got you, got you. I needed high levels of THC at times yeah. um, for, for certain conditions and things that were right. going on in my yeah, stomach. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. I needed like the cancer medicine. You need medicine. the master conductor. Yeah, I needed need- the cancer medicine. And man, it changed my life, man. It's... We could go on and on about it. I could just give you, go back to my Instagram, like, yeah, man, see, this one. I, oh, I was off too. Yeah, because I was 121 man. pounds at one point. It was so scary because I'd never been sick like this. You know, I never, you know, you get a cold. I've had a lot of injuries, broken a lot of bones. I'm right. an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And, but to see, you know, to be in the mirror standing, you know, naked, not to give you too much information, but like looking at your bones, I can like, see, wow, I can see my hips. I turn around, I'm like, I can see my entire spinal cord, like my hip bones. I look like somebody from the Holocaust. And I had pretty much gave up hope, man. You know, I just, mm. you know, but I didn't give up, you know, my faith. You can give up hope, but don't give up faith. Right. Yeah. You I know, like faith that. to lead you back to hope. I like that That's line. That's right, man. We're starting wow. to run short on time. So I want to make sure we get into a couple more things. Tell us about 
Minorities for Medical Marijuana. Tell us a little bit about that organization. Because you're the local president, Yes, I am the Georgia chapter president of Minorities for Medical Marijuana. And we were founded by Roz McCarthy out of Orlando, Florida. Okay. And she realized that there was a niche in the industry that needed to be taken care of, that minority laws were being written, minorities were being written out during those laws. There was nothing for us to get into the industry. A lot of us were putting in the programs to little parameters to keep us out. And they went in and actually inserted language into the state of Florida with their attorney groups and had the laws changed. And they were a vital part in assisting me because I've been down the Capitol for years doing this. Mm -hmm. But this year, with some of their assistance, we were able to be more impactful. So we were actually able to get our legal team to write legislation, to submit paperwork, some of the handouts and things. I actually had to go down to the Capitol. That's why I was down there so much right. the story every day, pretty much right. this guy, because we had to get some, the bill as it stands. You know, it's still going through committees. It's terrible. Here are our recommended changes. This right here is submitted by so-and-so and so-and-so. Now, is that the, the HB 324? and HB 213. Okay. okay. You know, and you go in there and you give them... You give them a handout. Sometimes if I had one, you know, give, make sure you give it to them, print it nice on cardstock. It was nice. Okay, here are our recommended changes. Georgia, as compared to this state and this state and this state, we'd like to advise, no, we'd like to suggest mm-hmm. that you look into this, take this, and make sure you include 20% minor- for minorities. Mm-hmm. And at first, people were looking and at that me. that just happened, right? That just happened. Oh, um, I'm actually, the dude that was taking the fall for all that. Um, wow. Some of my Facebook Live videos that I went on there, once I realized they were trying to do, pull some shady stuff, and um, I realized I had power. I made a couple of Facebook Live videos that went viral. Right. And some of them went viral via screen record, and they're outside of circles like right, this. And they right. realized we got a problem, y'all, because I told them, listen, I'm trying to work with you guys. We had to have a fair and equitable bill, but this right here that's in front of us mm-hmm. is not going to work. So if you're not willing to sit down and negotiate a table with us, I am prepared to go to the Georgia's latest, Legislative Black Caucus and have this bill vetoed, and we'll see y'all down here next year. Right. And so just for clarity, because I want the listeners to understand Hmm. Through the work that you did, it's now mandated or mandatory that I can't say I alone. It was a team effort. Yeah, we. You know, this guy was a vital key. He spoke in the subcommittees and Senate hearings. Um, Yes, um, there were other groups that spoke on the behalf of women and veterans and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But our direct angle was: listen, we want twenty percent minority inclusion. And I have some of some of their lobbyists that came to me were very upset. Like, who do you think you are? Who sends you down here? Who's paying you? Why are you so well-dressed and well-spoken? All because you're fighting just for minority participation. And it's ah. all, I'm, I'm the only black guy. Mm. It's When you look at the picture, it's all the white families up there with the kids that and the wheelchairs. So and they want, those are the pictures they want. They want people to think it's their program. No, no, no. Mm. It's interesting that you, it, it specifically has to have minority verbiage included into the bill in order for it to. <clears throat> well, guess what? They don't want to get that money Their up. response to me was, do you realize that there's never been a Georgia law that actually had guaranteed 20% inclusion of any demographic? And I looked and they're like, do you realize, are you ready for a federal lawsuit, ready to see you in federal court? And I was like, you better dress warm. Yo, so I'm saying, do go. you realize that I don't because give a Because as Georgia fuck. chapter president, I understand they got to take all the smoke. So they came up with a fake smear campaign. They hit me up the night before one of the votes to get it out of uh, the Senate, the House. And I woke up to uh, text messages from some of the representatives uh, within the program that are going on right now. And it was, well, I hope you get what you, looks like you're going to get what you asked for. Um, the patients of Georgia are going to get nothing. All because minorities what? won't get them participate 
in the program where I assure you that we're prepared to go to all the media outlets and tell them and go public and say that the reason that patients will not have life-saving medicine in the state of Georgia will be because of Stanley Atkins, the Canamedic. What? And I told him I want all the smoke. <laughs> Come huh? with it. Come all at me. I want all the smoke. I said, don't even text me. Well, let's talk on the phone. That's threats. You know, I like threats. You know, I, I found out recently that I'm confrontational. 35 years. Nobody ever told me I was confrontational. And I realized they didn't tell me because I'm confrontational. They didn't want the confrontation. <laughs> well, it ain't I mean, easy are, to go up there because they don't understand, this. like, well, how, is, how is he able to navigate that capital like that? And I always see him talking to the politician, getting all chubby. Because I went down there years ago and said that I illegally consumed this plant in your state as a form of therapeutic medicine. Here are the reasons why I deserve to, and here are the reasons why I need to. It took a lot to go down there and testify in front of your politicians and say that you're blowing that gas in their state to stay alive. You're eating oil to stay alive. Because normally the only people who do that are old white people and people with kids and wheelchairs. And they're like, wait a minute, what is he doing here? He doesn't fit the... Yeah, because I got arrested for cannabis 30 days after I came home from the Gulf. Down I-16, going to Savannah State Homecoming. And I looked at him, I said, officer, I just came from deployment, like, for real. I probably still smell like the desert. I said, man, you going to lock me up for that? He's like, watch me. Mm. And he did. And they towed my car, and I went to jail for three grams. And just so happens, the first time I testified, the person that testified in front of me, they, that she makes it, makes the oil by like the quarter pound or something in her crock pot, in her kitchen. And she was like, I live across the street from the courthouse in my small town. And when I got, when I, she told us what courthouse, I was like, ooh, it's about to get juicy. <laughs> because I went up there, and um, by the way, um, members of the legislative committee, um, that courthouse in which she lives across the street from is the same courthouse that sentenced me to a year of probation and a $2,700 fine for possession of three grams. Where's your reciprocity? Look, I, I want to get one more question. You, you kind of uh, talked about it then with, with the three grams and whatnot. What's happening right now with black men, black women, black people and the criminalization of marijuana now with all the changes happening. What, what's going on there? In a lot of jurisdictions, uh, arrests have gone up. In areas where really? it's gone legal. Oh, yeah, man, you better look at your work. Because guess what? You're not operating within the guidelines that they tell you. Ah, gotcha. So a lot of law they so pass are actually... Are at, ding, we'll give it to This is the new speed trap, huh? And mm-hmm. that's why like, they don't have like, any public consumption in certain places and this and that. Oh, yeah, they're going to lock you up for it. They realize, how about... We give it to them, let them buy all they want, but don't give them nowhere to smoke it. <laughs> Somebody's going to fire up when they step out to the dispensary. Somebody's going to smoke on their way home. Because their wife and got on their nerve and they got to go deal with them kids. Oh, strategic than a motherfucker. So are we. That's a good thing. So, that, so they're given a little leeway without the explanation in order, in order to, to, to catch you up, put you into the system, profit off of you, smoke. while they're still profiting off of what they put you in jail for. These motherfuckers. It's a systemic thing, man. I'm glad we, but I'm glad we got people we, like you, strategic and smart, on the other side, right. informing, fighting. Well, this is my yeah. thing. So and you, can, that, you, can, you can lay out the roadmap of, hey, this is what's really happening. So that's what I do. I try to kick it. And that's those videos I post on, like, Facebook when I go live at the Capitol. Uh-huh. I'm like, my, most of my brothers, they at work. People got bills. And you can't be here, but I know that y'all support me in spirit. Because a lot of people inbox my closet followers, as I call them. Right. Because of their coworkers and their jobs or their career, they can't click like. But they can, they can inbox you. Hey, bro. Appreciate that, man. I retire in six months, bro. I'm going to be looking you up, man. Well, I'll let you when I get yeah, out I this got people plantation. like, listen, man, I'm a police officer, but, you know, my daughter had you no know, leukemia and that cannabis saved her life, bro. You know, if you have in, right. my, jur- in my jurisdiction, man, you call me if something happened. That's love. Yeah. You know, like, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm a veteran, too. 
You know what I'm saying? I still have nightmares at night. You know, I have PTSD. I suffer from depression. And I smoked a joint last year on vacation with my wife, man. It changed my life. Mm. I appreciate what you're doing. You know, I don't have the courage to do what you do. Man, I love how a lot of stories, right? The, I tell the them real life you. implications of see, we you know, many times we don't we don't get the real implications of how it impacts lives positively. Man, it, it it's we get the spin. We get the crazy side of oh, you know, people smoke weed and then they go crazy. Well, they and, say and all this. Um, well, listen, like it. And I, I, I don't think pe- people hate me. A lot of people hate me. Like they can't stand me because I'm gonna give it to you real and raw. Um, I'm not a BSer. You know, because paramedics don't have time to BS. When we do, people die. Mm. I lost two years out of my life laying sick and dying. I ain't got time to waste. I ain't got time to play with y'all. So why even waste my waste time saying something that's not of quality or value or something that can help? You know, everything. Yeah. It, with everything you do, are you going to be trying to heal or harm? What are you trying to do? I like that. You know, we have glee. We, we, no, inf- minorities for medical marijuana. One thing that uh, Roz McCarthy is really big on is having a servant's heart. You know, so and like to circle back to M for MM, they're big on like business to businesses. If you say I want to join the industry, you can join as a person, or you can say I want to join as a small business. Right. I don't know what business I want to have yet, but that's what y'all gonna help me figure out. You're instantly gonna get access to meetings, conferences, a lot of webinars, like things where they go on digital platforms with just you guys, and you're gonna have people going over how to start out in your your, your jurisdiction. If you say, Hey, I'm looking at moving to Missouri, they just went live. We just had the uh, business building workshop. About to have one down here. So you all are lobbying, you're oh, educating, everything, you're teaching. Everything. Really? When I tell you, they've got lawyers, physicians. Um, if you, we got people that own software companies. Like, listen, I don't touch the plant. I have a, a payment processing company. Mm-hmm. All I do is you use my software. You can process all your CBD payments. We make sure that all your paperwork is legit. So when you're filing for, you know, filing for everything and everything's in line. Really? That's nice. Bam. They said, well, I develop tracking software. I, I work social media algorithms. I work search engine optimizations. Mm-hmm. But I do it in the cannabis industry. Um, as far as like public policy, they like public action committees, legislative updates, um, medical and recreational ballot initiatives. So we right. do, they do support both. Um, but what <clears throat> just to help us out and just go forward, and I want you to take this verbiage and take it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not say recreational because the states that have gone legal don't call it recreational. It's adult use. Mm, you, I have heard. You're right. I am a proponent for adult use, but not only am I proponent for adult usage, I'm a responsible adult user proponent. So mm-hmm. if you're an adult and you use, please use responsibly. Use it the right way. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Yes, yes it's please. The same Medi- well, I, I usually tell them medicate respo- responsibly yeah. because you can't eat too much oil or eat too much edibles and things of that nature. You have no business driving. You don't need to operate heavy machinery. You don't need to have to do something responsible. You don't need to be cooking. You, know, you don't need that. You don't need to leave candles burning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like anything else. Because when you do it, will. do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Be responsible. Right. If you have children, make sure your kids in the bed. Make sure they had their dinner, baths. You know, they're in the bed, sleep. Diapers are changed. We're good to go. I can, you know, instead of taking my pain pill, I was a cheerleader in college. My back still hurts. Um, I can just take my capsules or take my tincture drops. Use respect, you know, responsibly. Mm. Don't be at the bus stop with a joint in your mouth because all that does is feed into the stigma that we're already battling against. And I tell people, I have effective rules of stoners. Like, to be effective in the cannabis industry in states that where, you you know, certain laws are different, don't smoke in your car. Ever. Ever. I'll give them a reason. Because you don't, you black, but you smell weed in my car. No, it does not smell like cannabis in your car. I'm like, okay, but we just finished smoking an hour ago over here on the park bench. We don't even smell it no more. At least I was thinking those terpenes, the, the chemical, the proteins and the plants, they actually mm-hmm. give each one their distinct smell. 
Right. Those are called terpenes. So you got some that smell like pine trees, some that smell like oranges, some that smell like pineapple, some that smell like feet, you know, some that smell like cheese. They stick to things and they last a long time. Although you don't smell it because your body's immune to it because you smoke all day every day. You give them a reason to say, Man, they get smell out the it. car and I want to serve you. Now you give them a reason because there are, I've used this at the Capitol. You know, I credit Sharon Rayburn for initially just really putting this into light for me. There are three words in the state of Georgia in regards to cannabis that'll get you killed by law enforcement. And that is, I smell marijuana. The minute they, they're on the defensive. Mm. Hand on the gun. Hey, sir, um, please put your hands where I can see them because when you're black and they smell it, they automatically assimilate it with criminality. Correct. Criminal activity yeah. is going on. I smell reefer. He got guns in there. He probably got people tied up in the trunk. Probably got them All birds. All shit is going I heard on they be now. flipping birds out here. He probably got a bird in the car. I don't know. They're probably exotic birds. You know, they all be knowing. Right. He's, he's got the dreadlocks. Uh, 1013. Um, we're going to need assistance. So if your officer needs assistance, um, send additional units on the, on the split. Um, possible business. And that we got a possible 420. Um, suspective male. Um, please run this plate again. Um, I'm going to give you a description. I'm looking at the license right now. Can you run it through he NCIC? Run it down, oh, yeah. Run it through this. I'm a, I was a paramedic, bro. He runs so it down. People, so a lot of people, they about to go to jail. Hey, bro, I can't breathe. I got seizures. Take me to the hospital. I'm pregnant. My girl pregnant. No, I ain't. You sure? Oh, I'm pregnant. Hey, man, I can't leave her, but I can't leave her side. Oh, you going to jail. She going to the hospital. I can't leave her side. Uh, by law, if you say, I need an ambulance, they can't say no. But that don't mean request an ambulance because you got people dying that really need that ambulance. And we come out there and I tell them in the back of the ambulance, hey, bro, you know you're still going to jail, right? <laughs> He like, bro, why they ain't coming to the stretcher? Because they about to follow us up to the hospital. When the nurses say, ain't nothing wrong with this food, they about to take you straight to the jail. For real? <laughs> yeah. Man, there's some butt, man. <laughs> Stupid. 911 don't get you. It's not a get out of jail free card unless you're a pregnant female. You're a pregnant mm-hmm. female. I've seen them work that. Well, look, wow. Stanley, brother, this has been a, a hell of a show, man. You At gotta the come end, back, bro. Absolutely. You got to come back. Tell them how to contact you. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I am at the Canamedic. The email address is the Canamedic at Gmail. I'm owner of the Good Medic LLC. And it's T H E C A N N I M E D I C. You can find me on all social media platforms. We, we're, we're for everywhere and we're just getting started. Like, I'm just getting started. At the end, we always love to hand the mic over to our guests, let you hit the people with whatever it is that's on your heart to tell them, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, so one thing I want to leave everyone with is believe what you read from a reputable source only. Mm. Don't believe Instagram. Don't believe Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. You know, go on the Georgia legislative website. There's a search bar. Type in HB 324. Click the little magnifying glass to search it. Download that PDF file. If you want to know how to work in the industry, know how the laws work first. Because for everything you don't know about the law, you're going to have to pay somebody to tell you. you Read the law. If you know what Cardi B wore last night and you know what the Migos almost got shot and you know what's on Game of Thrones, but you don't know about your cannabis law, mm. because ain't none of that stuff you're looking at going to pay you any money. Like how bad do you really want it? So I tell people, download the laws, the HB 324, the HB 213, or any other law that you want to know, mm-hmm. that you think you can make, you know, have business interest into, and print it out, bro. Download on your phone. Read it every time you take a dump. You're like, what? You take your phone in there. Don't you leave your phone in the other room. You take your phone when you take a dump. And I say, take your phone with you. Read the bill. Read it every day. You want to know the bill. Like, you want to know, like, for people who are religious, you know, back when you used to have each speech when the kids. <laughs> I don't know if they still do it. Because the more you understand the law, the more you can work within the law. 
And I know people who say, man, we don't specialize in law. We specialize in finding loopholes in the law. And really, guys, please connect with us. If you want more information, we're going to have more events. Warning, all of my mixers and all of my events sell out. So I tell people, if you want to come, get your ticket early. Don't try to, well, I'm going to wait to the day of because somebody's going to buy up or grow up a 30 tickets at the end mm. for, their, for their employees, for their friends, for an organization. And let's connect. My Dice Mixers, they create a connectivity point for people who have business entries within the industry to connect them with people who are in the industry, people who want to get in the industry, and some people who've been in the industry for 20 years and just got out. And we didn't hit it, but tell them what Dice stands for. Um, Dice is Diversity in Cannabis Experience. They are professional networking events. They are non-consumption events. So I do want to make people aware that none of our events are open um, public consumption. Um, that just feeds into the stigma that and we're a bunch illegal. of unprofessional. Will you be surprised in Atlanta? <laughs> After people see this podcast, everybody's going to be reaching out to you. Hey, man, I saw you with the candy man. I do the same thing. I do this and that. They come to my event. And you're going to realize, like, I don't even smoke. You know, sometimes they're like, bro, like, I think they got drugs over there. Like, you, you had, I've had people like, well, I went to this, this dinner and I was like, what? I think it was real weed. I was like, where'd you go? Well, it was a house and it was this and that. And like, I, I thought it was a CBD business dinner. I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that. Because see, <laughs> you know, because everybody's not comfortable with that black market. Right. Correct. Some people are like, I don't want no part of that. I don't even smoke. I'm just trying to see. I can make some money. Yes, but when you come out to my events, please bring a charged phone, a charged spirit, and plenty of business cards because you're going to need them. Um, you, most people run out of business cards in my events. That's awesome. They're usually like, bro, I came with a stack. I got none. And I got people asking. And I tell everybody, well, do me a favor. I'll go on stage and say, all right, everybody, who needs my contact information? And it's a good way for your networking events. Tell everybody has an iPhone, pull up your AirDrop. If you don't know, show them how to pull up AirDrop. Mm-hmm. AirDrop your document to, to them. Yeah. If you got a flyer or something, hey, man, here's the bill right here. I'll AirDrop it to you. Come right to your phone. AirDrop your contact. You know, you want to make sure everybody got a connectivity point, but not only having a connectivity point, following up. Yeah. That's you know, you may have a good introduction, a good conversation, have a drink together or something, but follow up on that. Right. And please come. We have monthly meetings. Just follow me on any social media platform. Um, we have di- online meetings and rallies as well. We will be in making this upcoming week. Making is um, seeking to decriminalize possession up to an ounce. Making Bibb County. Yep. Making Georgia. Mm. And we'll once the mics go off, we'll talk a little bit in depth about some of the other things that are going on. Cool. On yeah. the business end, it's not for public, you know, but you guys want <laughs> to know. Yes, so absolutely. So some behind the scenes talk. Absolutely. But yeah, they're going to be looking to decriminalize um, up to an ounce of possession. Um, I am 2-0 and in decrim ordinances, and I'm not trying to get cocky, but I am confident. Good. You know, I know what we can do. You got to be. I know what I do. You know, and I know you give me a microphone in two minutes' time, I'll make magic. Because I only speak facts and we speak from honest thoughts and opinions, but we don't speak from, you know, honest thoughts and facts. We don't speak from opinions. Yeah. Because I'm going to give you irrefutable facts on black and white with data to support it. That way you ain't none of my opinion. We're not here for anecdotal evidence, as they call it. Right. And if they do it, there'll be the, I think, ninth jurisdiction in the state of Georgia to do it. And if you actually look at it, they're creating like a little corridor down the state of Georgia to Florida of decriminalized places. You got Mm. your Savannah. You got your Atlanta. Uh-huh. You got your city of South Fulton. <laughs> you got now you're about to have your making. Yeah. Uh, it may not go up. We got you. But it's definitely going down. down because too many people get arrested for this stuff. Coming and they realize our jails are full. Mm-hmm. And because you think about it, you could get caught with a joint. You got people sat in jail for a year and a half for a gram. Mm. I didn't have money to make bail. I couldn't get a court date. I ain't got no family. I was adopted. And my adopted parent died. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody else to call. Wow. I've been sitting in here. 
Mm-mm. Interesting. Man, this has been a hell of a podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We love you. Peace. We out. We out. Medicated while black.